Pike is different. Hi there, everyone. I'm Elizabeth. And I'm Rod. And this is Onward, a podcast from the Pike School Advancement Office. there in podcast land. We hope you're ready for another great episode of the podcast. Yes, we have quite a show for you today. We do. First, we're sitting down with Ashley Marshall, the head of school here at Pike. And then we're going to be talking to Tasneem Dahodwala, an alum, a parent, and the chair of the board of trustees of the Pike School. It's going to be action-packed. Like your very favorite episode of your very favorite 80s TV show. Minus the guns, explosions, car chases, bad dialogue, and wicked funny hairdos. Fine. All right. Welcome to episode four of season two of Onward, listeners. Yes. Hello. We're so glad to know that you're out there. Of course, Elizabeth, we don't really know that they are out there. We're just going to have to take it on faith. Well, faith and some fancy analytics powered by our delightful podcasting service. Fancy analytics? I love me some fancy. Well, then you are going to love this very fancy episode, Rod. I bet I will. And in honor of fancy, we should probably let folks know that we are broadcasting today from a swanky sound studio in sunny Los Angeles. We are definitely not doing that, Rod. Well, we wanted to. Be that as it may, we are right here in our offices at Pike. Which is still pretty glamorous, Elizabeth. Oh, 100%. Indeed it is. And we're going to get things even more glammed up in a minute with two great interviews, aren't we? Yes, we are. First, we're going to talk with our head of school, Ashley Marshall. I had a great conversation with her about the power of non-Sibi Solom and why it's a perfect fit for Pike. She spoke about her own personal experiences with the power of our school motto in her life. Why students at our school are so primed to jump into living the motto. And what her hopes for the future are for Pike and service to others. Kapow. Action-packed as promised. Let's jump right in. Uh, good morning, Ashley. How are you doing? Well, good morning, Rod. Good to be with you. Yeah, this is exciting. So um, as you know, we've been doing this uh, series on non-Sibi Solom at Pike and, and Pike constituents. And so wanted to, to spend some time talking a little bit about that today. Um, and so I think we'll jump in with some questions. Sounds great. We know that non-Sibi Solom has really been an integral part of Pike practically since its founding. And so I guess in some ways it seems like a very traditional independent school value. I'm wondering if you could frame for us why non sibi Solom is so important for Pike specifically. Sure. So what is frequently found at independent schools is a commitment to service. Service learning, community service, these are commonly used phrases used to capture the ethos of helping others. 
The challenge here, however, um, and perhaps the limitation with this framing is that it positions one group or individual as having more and another group or individual as having less. And thus this reinforces a, a power dynamic of us and them, those with privilege and, and those who need our help. But what I love about non sibi solum, not for oneself alone, is that it speaks to this larger purpose, a, a reason for being. When Cicero, the Roman scholar philosopher who used this Latin phrase, um, when he was discussing the purpose of humanity, he used this phrase to describe the reason for our existence, um, which was to quote, contribute to the general good. So at Pike, non sibi solum grounds us, students, faculty, families, in a shared larger purpose. Our motto challenges us to ask, how am I learning and leading in a way which contributes to the general good of the world around me? It's a powerful shift, a transformational shift from helping others to living for others, living for the greater good um, and living for something larger than ourselves. Great, as an old classicist, I love that you brought up Cicero. That's <laughs> yeah. so great, thank you. <laughs> I studied to... Latin for years. <laughs> there you go, see? Um, so I know you're very focused on the research that is being done about the future world that our students will experience and sort of what they'll need to be able to navigate that world successfully. What does that research, or I guess, does that research add any insight into why this focus on non sibi solum is so crucial for Pike students? Research on the future, much like research on any change in the unknown, is both exhilarating and also a little frightening. <laughs> the, the world is changing so quickly. There are three aspects of research which, taken together, truly speak to non sibi solum. The first is that research tells us that our youngest generations will live longer. Research out of Stanford specifically suggests that at least half of our current five-year-olds will live to the age 100. Wow, <laughs> that's, that's an incredibly that's long time. <laughs> Two, um, a longer lifespan means more time in the workforce. And really, I mean multiple workforces. Research suggests that our current students will have multiple jobs and careers across their lifetimes. And three, multiple jobs and careers means not only a need for cross-domain skills and competencies, but also a need for a higher degree of cultural competencies. The demographics of the world, but of the United States in particular, is rapidly changing. We are becoming an increasingly diverse country across a spectrum of identities. So future success demands young adults who have the capacity to listen to, learn from, and lead alongside very different types of people. It demands young adults who can adapt and reimagine new solutions based on the input of others, who can see beyond their own selves, their own talents and understandings to change the world around them. This is living for others. This is non sibi solum. So in an earlier episode, we learned from a Pike teacher in our lower school, how our youngest learners interact with and learn about non sibi solum. And I know you've been a classroom teacher in the lower school um, and are really knowledgeable about how learning and brain development are connected. And I'd, I'd love to know what it is about our how children develop that allows them to embrace this notion at such a young age. There's often a misconception that young children are not capable of grappling with complex ideas. And yet research and, and all lower school teachers and probably most parents would tell you quite differently. That research tells us that our brains are the most malleable in the first 10 years of life. Remember all the incredibly complex tasks and understandings children navigate in their early years. They learn how to walk, how to connect with others, how to communicate, sometimes in multiple languages. They learn language as print, reading, writing, and the foundational blocks of our base 10 mathematics system. 
These are incredibly complicated topics. By contrast, non sibi solum, thinking of others, living with others in mind, this is a much simpler concept for children <laughs> because they live this every day as they navigate sibling relationships at home, as they play with friends during recess, as they problem solve with their peers during a math lesson and so on. Children are born ready to learn and eager to make sense of the world around them. If anyone can understand how to show up and live in the world, it's a young child. So how, how does that change or evolve as students enter our upper school? So those early adolescent years. Well, young adolescents are by no means less interested in making mm -hmm. sense of the world around them. A key difference is that they are now equipped with the cognition and the life experiences to dwell in the gray, right? The, the fuzzy areas of what it means to be a citizen of this world. Young children can be much more concrete in their thinking. Something or someone is right or wrong, right? That those are the only two options. They will often perceive more abstract concepts like fairness, compassion, and equity in much more specific ways or actions, which are either visible or even tangible. So imagine, you know, if we have two cookies, we each get one, that's it. That's the only fair way to do it. But young teens can entertain much more nuanced debates about citizenship and what it means to be human. And the time is so right for these conversations. This is a time in the upper school grades when young adolescents are consistently discerning who they are, who they're not, and who they want to be. They're keenly aware of their identities, their social stance with peers and larger social issues. They're also much more so than past generations, highly tuned into our national and global communities. Social media and the internet for better or for worse has made the world much more accessible to them. So for all these reasons, it's why our upper school students can be our greatest advocates and leaders. They naturally and actively embody non sibi solum. We've talked about our students, but how curious how you see our motto, motto of non sibi solum at work in the broader Pike community. So our teachers and staff, our current families, and our alumni. Part of what makes our adult community distinct and quite remarkable is the fact that we're here by choice. We could work anywhere at dozens, if not hundreds of other schools or organizations. We could send our children to any number of schools, but we, all of us, chose Pike. All of us, meaning a new family just joining us in pre-K, a teacher who's been here for decades, a recent alum who returns to campus as a high school sophomore, or even an alum who returns to campus to send their own children to Pike. All of us are here and we stay connected to Pike because we want to be connected to something larger than ourselves because we believe in our shared capacity to make this world better for those around us, including those we don't even know and may never meet. In other words, I would say that non sibi solum is how we define community at Pike. If you were to join a faculty staff meeting or family school partnership coffee or this year's winter spectacular, you would witness adults in joyful celebration of one another. Adults who are curious about each other, who highlight one another's accomplishments and ask deep questions about how we might be and do better for one another. Pike is truly a special place in community. As we continue to live out our motto, what are your hopes for our students, our teachers, and our community? I hope for us to proudly and definitively celebrate Pike as a place for lifelong and mutual transformation. All of us connected to Pike, as students or as faculty and staff, as families, as alumni, know that we have been changed for the better by being a part of this community. In my two years at Pike, I know that I am a changed and different leader, 
a different educator, even a different mother because of the people here. Together, we've tackled big school challenges, celebrated accomplishments, and grieved losses and disappointments. In essence, we've navigated life together, and I am a changed and better person because of my engagement with everyone here. It's also true that Pike itself as a community of learning changes because of all the people here. So what I hope is that we realize more and more that this transformational learning and unlearning process does not need to end. As our children and our students grow and graduate, as parents navigate new phases of life, as faculty and staff consider career growth and aspirations, Pike is still a place to guide you and hold you and push you across your lifetime. Pike will always be your community, which embraces every version of you and prepares you for the next step of your life. We know the world is ever changing and that certainly our community members will change too. Pike, in a seemingly paradoxical way, will remain nimble and adaptable so that we can be your steadfast resource in the midst of all this change. It seems there's an aspect of non be solum. It's like the ability to understand and be in community with others that you've talked about, to think beyond one's own needs and perspectives that connects very clearly and strongly to our commitment to diversity, equity, inclusion, and justice. Could you talk about that? Both diversity, equity, inclusion, and justice work and non solum speak to this kind of question. What if everyone could access their full potential? What if everyone could show up in the world as their full authentic selves? What if the world could benefit from the leveraging of every individual's gifts and talents? Imagine what would be possible. Imagine the inequities we might solve, the new innovations we might design. Imagine the type of lives we might live. Doesn't that sound like the world, a future you'd like to help create? A future you'd like your children to be a part of? DIJ and non Solum speak to creating this type of world, a world where everyone and everything is possible. I'd love to hear about your own personal connection to non Solum. Um, can, you, can you share a story of a time when this idea was at play in your life um, so that left uh, an indelible mark. In so many ways, teachers made me who I am today. And mm. perhaps like many of you, my first teachers were in my family. So um, some of you may know I speak a lot about my grandmother. I grew up spending Sundays with her um, and I have vivid memories of sitting with her in her brownstone in Bronx, New York, uh, where her couches were covered in flowery fabric. And of course that fabric was covered in plastic that was very um, sticky in the summer heat and um, bristly in the cold winters. And she would talk to me about being a teacher long before she was a mother and a wife. She was a teacher in um, Arizona in the 30s and 40s, 1930s and 40s. Um, and she taught a classroom with a wide range of ages. You know, there were children who were as young as five, as old as 16 or 17. And they represented actually the first generation born out of slavery into freedom. There was no formal funding or training. She didn't go to graduate school for education at the time. And you might imagine the, the resources were quite limited. Um, but what she, those children and their families were co-creating in that one room classroom was non solum in action. Surely they knew the limits of their individual work and efforts, what the world around them would allow for them at the time. Surely they knew that their individual ambitions were perhaps beyond their own reach. And yet they engaged in learning anyway. I truly believe the sacrifices made, the hardships they endured, the monumental effort put forward were intentional gifts to the future. Their work made me and my work possible generations later. 
because they live not only for themselves, I have a chance to do the same. This is what my grandmother taught me, that we have the chance to make impact beyond ourselves and beyond our time. This is Nancy B. Solom, and this is why I'm at Pike. love that interview, Rod. I do too. And Ashley enjoyed it as well. We recorded it over Zoom. And so I could see her face lighting up as she spoke so powerfully about Pike and this commitment to serving others. Absolutely. She's totally committed to Pike as a community that serves the greater good, both in our daily interactions and choices and in our aspirations. Which is both powerful and contagious. Absolutely. We are really blessed to be able to see that service every day in the halls, in the dining room, in the classrooms, and on the playground, of course. Speaking of the dining room. Oh, Rod, you're hungry, right? Well, yes, but also I was thinking about the fabulous story that second grade teacher Jessica Howie told you in episode one of this season's podcast. (laughs) The one about the boy who took the time to walk up to our chef and thank him for his wonderful macaroni and cheese. Yes, and the impact it had on both Mark and the student. Great story. And I have to say, Chef Mark's mac and cheese, totally great. Now I'm definitely hungry a little bit. All right, time out for a snack. You know, Elizabeth, I was thinking while we were on our little break that we should get ourselves a sponsor. Oh, a sponsor. All right. I'm listening. You know, like some great snack company that wants to connect with our expansive and discerning audience. (laughs) Oh, are we limiting it to a snack company? No, I mean, I think we're open. It could be a sushi restaurant. Taqueria. Maybe a Vietnamese food truck. Ooh, or an ice cream shop. Possibilities are pretty endless, at least as far as I'm concerned. But it would be a great way for some company making delicious food to build brand awareness. <laughs> and to give back to the Pike community at the same time. How non-sibby is that? Mm. All right, enough of that. Or we'll have to take another snack break. Okay, agreed. Let's talk about our next interview. Sure. It's none other than Tasneem Dohadwala. Tasneem is an alum, a current parent, the parent of an alum, and on top of all of that, she is the chair of the board here at Pike. Yes, she has such a rich history at our school with great perspectives to share about the impact of Pike, not only on her, but on her children as well. 
Sounds like it was great for you to catch up with her and get her perspectives on our theme of non solum, not just as a school leader, but also personally what it's meant to her. It was pretty great. And I know our listeners will be intrigued. Let's listen. Good morning, Tazneem. Uh, I'd love as we um, get started here, if you could just introduce yourself and, and your connections to Pike. Sure. Well, good morning, Rod. Um, excited to be on this podcast. So my name is Tasneem Dohadwala, and I am a Pike alum. I graduated, I believe, in 96. Um, and I have a recent Pike graduate. He is actually a current 10th grader. And I have a seventh grader currently at Pike, and I hopefully have one that will be applying to Pike next year. Um, So lots of relationships at Pike. And currently, I am serving as the chair of the board of the Pike School Trustees. And I have been a trustee of the board for several years. And I last couple of years, I was vice chair and, and now I'm chair. Great. Thank you. And so as an alum of the school, I'm just wondering if uh, it ever crossed your mind while you were a student that you would stay so closely involved in Pike after you graduated. No, absolutely not. I had no idea. Um, I, you know, when you leave, you're, you're, you're young and you feel like you're going to go in all sorts of directions. If you had asked me at that point, if I, if I was going to end up even living you know, stones throw away from where I grew up. I would have said definitely not. I was much more keen on uh, moving to California and then, you know, life evolved and uh, here I am. But I will say that I always had, you know, once I started settling into my, what I would call my adult life, I did have a very good role model as in my mom served on the Pike board for years and, and she continues to serve on other uh, nonprofit boards and her board work has been incredibly important to her. And that has served as a strong inspiration for the board work that I do. What, what do your children think about you being a trustee and chair of the board? I mean, um, what do you think it means to them or maybe what, what do you want them to take away from, from you serving in this role? Well, it's funny when I was, I would say it was earlier in my tenure. So my daughter was younger And every time I told her I had to go to a Pike board meeting in the evening, it was this very long drawn out sigh, like, oh, again. (laughs) And it was always this ho-hum sigh. But now that she's older and my son is older, they, they really respect that I spend so much time at the school. I hope that it serves as a role model, as I serve as a role model for them, as my mom has served for me, that institutions that contribute to making you into the person you are, it's important to give back to those institutions. So not only did Pike influence who I am today, it has now made a huge impact on my kids' lives. So for me, it just seems like a natural step to be contributing to to Pike. And I hope that that's the message that I'm giving to my kids. And I will say as a sort of funny anecdote, last week, actually, I had to, you know, we had a Pike board meeting in the evening and childcare was a little bit of a struggle. And actually my son came home early from school to babysit my little one so I could run the Pike board meeting. Mm -hmm. So 
I think that they, they understand how committed I am to it. And I hope that that commitment shows to them that it, it is important work and you have to think about going beyond yourself and think about, okay, who, who's helped me along my path? Because there are so many points in your life where people are going to help you along your path. And you have to be able to, you have to be willing to give back. Otherwise, you know, this world just doesn't work if people aren't willing to contribute to it. That's really well said. And I'm curious. Um, so what, what has your experience of becoming a trustee and, and chair of the board at Pike been like? Ha- has anything surprised you or um, kind of w- what has that process been been like? Well, let's see. Surprise for sure. A lot of work, <laughs> you know. <laughs> It has been a journey of tremendous growth. Like if I think about my time when I first started as a trustee to now, just my ability to think about the long-term consequences, decisions, vision for the school, just the growth in that ability, that thinking ability has been huge. And so I think it is really just like we have Pike students on a life, you know, we're setting Pike students on a lifelong journey of loving learning and discovery. I believe as trustees, we too are on this journey of discovery and learning. And we do it every time we're in a committee meeting, every time we're in a board meeting, we're stretching ourselves. And, and I think that surprised me that that much learning, adult learning would be happening. And I'm very happy it's happening because it keeps the work exciting. And I think it keeps many of us coming back to it. Many of us have have been on the board for a long time and it continues to excite us. That's fantastic. Um, Because I know you've you've spoken a number of times in in different settings about the ways that um, the Pike community has evolved since you were a student. Um, mm-hmm. here and, and I think particularly through that lens of diversity and inclusion. And so uh, I'm wondering if you see connections between the school's commitment to DEIJ and its embracing of the non civi solum model. Yeah, I mean, I think that they are tightly interwoven. I mean, there's no way they, they are so interconnected because I don't think one exists actually without the other. If you think about embracing children and making sure that they can bring their authentic selves to school and you're taking down the barriers for them to do that and taking down the barriers for them to reach their ultimate potential, you really that requires a selfless and generous approach to education and spirit. And that to me is encapsulated by non-sibi. Without non-sibi solum, I don't think we could do the work that we do. I truly believe that you're only going to get the best from your kids and your students if they can bring their authentic selves to school. So I think that's critically important. And I actually think that they're both intrinsically connected and one doesn't exist without the other. Yeah, well said. Thank you. Um, you, you referenced, you know, the amount of time and energy it takes um, to, to, to serve in, in the role that you do on the board. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious um, if you could talk a little bit about 
why it has been so important to you to participate in Pike in this way? Well, I mean, in, in some ways, just if you think about it, there is no other institution that my kids will go to in their academic journey where they're going to spend more years than Pike. And so if I'm going to commit so much time and energy, shouldn't it be the place where they're going to spend the most time at? And to me, that seems like a really simple reason. And so that's the place I think that I want it to be the strongest and I'm going to do whatever I can do. I'm going to contribute whatever I can contribute, which is, you know, just a small amount compared to everybody else who contributes so much to, to making Pike who it is. I'm going to do as much as I can when we were sort of in the throes of this pandemic and we were, we went completely zoom while yes, I was still obviously very connected time-wise to Pike on zoom all the time, um, you know, helping the school and helping um, our head of school sort of maneuver through this pandemic safely, which again, I think is huge credit to the team at Pike that we were able to keep our kids in school full-time for the full year. Um, and I, I believe that our family is incredibly grateful for that. And I believe there are many families who are incredibly grateful for that. But I will say that during that time, I really missed my time at Pike. I missed coming physically into the campus because the warmth, the energy, the joy you feel when you're in campus is palpable. And as a parent, you want to feel that, you know, when you, when you walk in and you feel it, you know where your kids are and it makes you feel good. So, so we've been talking about non be solum and the power of that motto at Pike. And I'm curious how you think about philanthropy in relation to the, the motto. I think it's important, as I've said, that you have to be generous with your time, your thought, and your commitment to the school. But you also have to be generous with your philanthropic dollars. I mean, it these institutions like Pike, they need they need the the donor support to do the amazing work that they're doing. And to me, that's crystal clear. When I was there, when I benefited from the school, or even when my kids benefited from the school, somebody decided to be generous and contributed, contributed to the school in the past so that myself and my kids could benefit from the learnings and the teachings and the community of Pike. And so it, to me, I look at it as it's my way to pay it forward, right? Someone's got to, everybody's got to contribute. As I said, if we don't contribute, we're not going to be able to do the work that we want to do. You know, when I think about my journey, there are so many people along the way who have helped me get to where I am today. There are so many people who have gone above and beyond, you know, family, friends, teachers, um, advisors, mentors, work mentors. And everybody decided to put themselves aside and go above and beyond for me. They encapsulated that non sibi solemn spirit. So shouldn't we? And that's the way I look at my my time, my energy, and my philanthropic dollars. It's my way to say thank you 
to all those people who helped me along the way. It's, it's, it's powerful. Yeah, because the work we're doing at the trustee level, we're not really thinking about like next year. The way we look at the, the trustees are looking at the next five years, the next 10 years. And what does the school need to be in a position to thrive at those in those horizons? So if that's the case, then you can imagine that the philanthropic dollars are just not for the kids today, but it's for the kids. So they do help the kids today, of course. They, they concretely help our kids today, but they also help the kids of the future. And I think that it's really important to keep in mind. Great, Rod. Yeah, I enjoyed it a lot. Uh, she was really compelling about her own commitment to helping others and to giving back to Pike, a place that has given her so much. That really came through. I was also glad to hear her talk about how she was influenced by her mother's commitment to the Pike board. Yeah, and how she hopes her children will be equally inspired to find ways to further those places and people that have furthered them. Exactly. And I'm pretty sure they will be. You know, Elizabeth, it's probably also important for us to underscore something else she mentioned with regard to non-Sydney Solon. Do you mean philanthropy? Precisely. Yes. As is clear from my conversation with her, she's a strong advocate for making a financial commitment to support those organizations that impact lives for the future. Absolutely. And Tasneem also knows that every person and family needs to find the level of support that works for them. We believe that too giving us such a powerful and personal way of engaging in our community. Yes, and it should feel really good too. It should be a pleasure to do this. It should, because that gift that you make, regardless of size, really does make the experience better for our students every day. And for years to come. And we've done our part to make giving to the Pike Fund as easy as possible, haven't we, Rod? We have. All a donor needs to do to support our community and build a culture of giving and giving back is visit our website, pikeschool.org slash mygift. And make a gift that's meaningful to them. That's right. It's that simple. And it's really fast. So fast. I bet you, dear listener, can do it in less time than it takes Elizabeth and I to come back from our second snack break of the episode. <laughs> okay. We're going on another snack break, Rod. Roll with it, Elizabeth. Roll with it. Okay, good listeners, we are coming to the end, not only of this podcast, but of this season. And boy, was it fun. It was so fun. We explored how our community engages in non-Sippy Solum, not for self alone. 
Yeah, we talked to upper school students Camille and Yeah Jin in episode one. And we talked to second grade teacher Jessica Howie. And then in the second episode, we interviewed two Pike staff. PE teacher Colleen Shannon and Director of Equity and Justice Jenny Kravitz about the ways they are supporting peers across the country. Episode three was focused on our amazing alums doing great non-city solemn work in the world. James Wodarski and Eric Bao, both of the class of 2019, and my great conversation with Margot Lindauer, class of 95. And then, of course, there were the conversations you just heard here a minute ago with Ashley Marshall, head of school, and Tasneem Doadwala, chair of the Pike Board of Trustees. Talk about action-packed, Rod. And I don't think we even really scratched the surface about this topic, Elizabeth, to think of all the other conversations we could have had. But we've got no regrets. Well, I have. You have regrets? What are you talking about? I guess I just regret that we didn't win that daytime Emmy. Oh my God, enough. Maybe that's just more incentive to come back next year and try again. And maybe next year, we'll secure a tasty sponsor. Oh my gosh. If we do, dear listeners, we'll be looking forward to sharing it with you here on Onward, the podcast of the Pike Advancement Office. Oh, that's cute. We are nothing if not cute, Rod. Reaching to the choir. Okay, some thank yous are in order, Elizabeth. That's right. First, a big thank you to our special guests, Yejin, Camille, Jessica, Colleen, Jenny, Eric, James, Margot, Ashley, and Tasneem. Yeah, they gave their time to us so freely and kept things fun. They did, and they are each so interesting and so passionate about Pike. We also have to thank a few of the platforms that gave us technical help that made this podcast possible and practical. Yes, like Podbean, our podcast hosts. And Pixabay and their generous content creators for the royalty-free sounds. Finally, our deepest appreciation to you, dear listeners. Yes, dear listeners, we could not have done it without you. Well, (laughs) we could have, but what would have been the point? Indeed, like a tree that falls in the forest. You complete us, listeners. Heart emoji. Double heart emoji. (laughs) 